everyone. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Mentally Sounds Life and Lockdown podcast series. We're episode 52. My name is Ricky Thamen. I'll be your host for the next hour. Uh, a reminder for those of you who don't know what Mentally Sound is. Mentally Sound is a radio stroke podcast uh, mental health and mental well-being show. And as a disclaimer, because of that, uh, the likelihood is that you will be listening to certain delicate matters to do with mental health. So if that is of a sensitive issue for you, if you do suffer flashbacks um, as a result of that, then we urge you please to see your nearest therapist, your mental health nurse, uh, your GP, uh, your crisis centre, anywhere that you'll receive the best help, because that, after all, that's what, what you deserve. Awesome. So as a reminder, yes, Mentally Sound is a radio show, but due to lockdown, sort of a, a new phase now as lockdown eases, but uh, since March of last year, since uh, the pandemic began, Mentally Sound became a podcast show. Um, but because because of the pandemic, and th- thanks to Spice FM as well, um, they very kindly broadcast these podcasts. So we're a bit of both. Uh, and Mentally Sound has been a radio show for a good five, six years. So uh, we're, we're still very much continuing our tradition. And if you are listening to us on Spice FM, a reminder it is on uh, 98.8 FM. If that's out of your reach, just simply tap on to spicefm.co.uk where you can listen to us instantaneously. And uh, a reminder, the show goes out on Tuesdays at 1 o'clock in the afternoon and it repeats on Saturday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And if you want to get in touch with the show, if you want to be signposted to a a therapist or a group or anyone that you might have heard on the show, uh, we have an email and it's mentallysound at spicefm.co.uk. And uh, if you specify who you want to be forwarded on, I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. And of course, your privacy and your anonymity will be uh, respected. If you're listening to our social media platforms, uh, a reminder what they are. On Twitter, we're at underscore Mentally Sound. On Instagram, it's Mentally Sound Radio. And on Facebook, it's Mentally Sound Radio Show. And on our Facebook uh, header page, that's where you'll find a list of all our archive shows. So... And underneath each show, you have all the topics relevant to you. So it'll be, you know, 1 to 50, because we passed the 50 milestone very recently. And uh, on our podcast platforms, where you can listen to us on them. They're Clips, spelled C-L-Y-P, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, Radio Public, Breaker, and Apple Podcasts. Without further ado, um, our guest for this show, he's our returning therapist, he... Um, Joined us very recently. He's become our resident therapist. Uh, he's recently started work um, back to his old stomping ground uh, as, as regards to his therapy background because for all the while we knew him when we first met him, uh, he was the uh, restaurateur at the uh, bistro which was right next to the Spice of M studio. And it was then that we got to know that he was a qualified uh, psychotherapist and counsellor. And uh, yeah... Um, he stepped in to to help with these um, uh, mentally sound podcasts. So we thank him ever so much for that. His name is Amir Mirza. Um Hello, Amir. How are you doing, sir? Hi, Ricky. I'm very well, thank you. Excellent, excellent. Um, I think it's been a good, uh, say, three three or so weeks since we last spoke. So, um, how have you been since, and what we've we been up to? And uh, uh, well, I'll I'll leave the question afterwards as to to your new work. But yeah, on a Mental health level, how how's things been? Yeah, they've been good. I mean, we were just having the conversation before, weren't we, about I had to check my uh, 
calendar to see what actual day it was with yeah. this bank holiday. So, you know, as we're recording it. So, yeah, it still makes you aware, doesn't it, of, 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 of what we can miss out on, Ricky. Mm. You know, what we, where we are, where we think everything's fine. And then all of a sudden we seem to be lost for days. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and, I'm, and I'm sure there's a lot of people experiencing this, especially the ones that have been furloughed or been stuck at home. Mm. as well you know people have been working or even working from home yeah and of course we're, we've got in the back of our minds haven't we Amir as to um, and this was a topic with our other guests on the on the recent previous podcasts about the uh, the scenes in India um, do you have friends and family out, out in that region at all and, and, and yes are they doing I've actually got a very good friend of mine he's just got married and it's you know it 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 hurts my heart, Ricky. Yeah, you know to see, to see this happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I'm really saddened, and you know they, they they are getting together. The countries are getting together to support them, but even so, it's still the loss, isn't it? it, it it's terrible, absolutely. So. Yeah, because there was a. I remember watching a few um, news programs, um, like maybe a couple of months ago, and there was the talk that India is, that had done very well. Um, there was a few reasons as to why they'd done well, um, um, because it's a because it's a very humid country and there's a lot of tropical diseases that the people get very shots for all sorts of diseases that that might have played a part. Um, some people suggesting that they may have reached herd immunity. Um, all sorts of reasons flying about, but of course, the last two to three weeks has been horrendous. I mean. Um, I know that the country had sort of eased restrictions. You had all these big festivals that were going on, the Kumbamela and so on, and there was a big, there was large electioneering things happening, and and it's almost as if maybe I don't know they took their eye off the ball, and and with this new variant, it's just took hold over there, hasn't it? Yes, it has, Ricky. I mean, you know, I was just speaking to family in um, Pakistan as well. Yeah. And uh, they, you know, I was inquiring as to, you know, how bad it is. And they were saying, oh, Karachi, we're fine. You know, I think we have a constitution for these type of things because mm-hmm. we'll, if we don't drink bottled water, we can drink it from a tap. Whereas, you know, yeah. I can't brush my teeth with tap water over there. Otherwise, yeah, I'm yeah. laid up for a week. Yeah. Um, so I think it's exactly the same, isn't it? Culturally and everything, the same beliefs happening around that, regionally around that area, you know, in mm-hmm. Pakistan, mm-hmm. is that people actually believe that. Yeah. And, you know, now, you know, as terrible as it got mm. is I think people need to raise awareness. But it was exactly the same, as I said, regionally there. Uh, when I was talking to my friend in India, a regular speak to uh, Thompson, he's, um, oh, we don't have much of a problem. And, you know, now they're really concerned. Yeah. Uh, concern has risen. So mm. it seems quite indiscriminate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know this virus, how it affects people. Um, yeah. The, the last year, I was talking to my brother-in-law in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And we had the conversation where he said, "What are you guys doing in England? You know, you're taking it too seriously. Look at Sweden. Take the lead oh, from Sweden." Yeah, yeah. And the next day, <laughs> the next day, yeah, everything went yeah topsy-turvy. Yeah. Everything was just turned on its head. Yeah. So, you know, I think taking your eye off the ball is the right term in this instance mm-hmm, you know took the right up there's some big festivals coming up in pakistan mm-hmm. and they're probably going to happen in india it's a shia festival yeah. coming up as well it's very big in india as well yeah. and of course all, all all the hindu festivals that happen it's, it's yeah. there's so many of them yeah you know and, and i and i believe one went ahead the other day as well didn't it 
Well, did it? I mean, I know that the Cum Mela was a big one, wasn't it? Um, a week or two, yeah. a week or two ago, which, as we ease lockdown over here, is there a danger that we are become might become too complacent given what's happening on the other side of the world? Um, do you know my my views of this? Mm. How I've seen this develop. We are still, still per capita. We've had the highest deaths in the world. Yeah, yeah. Even comparing it to India and where mm-hmm. they had four hundred, nearly four hundred thousand cases, yeah. we are still the highest. Mm-hmm. So, have we? Did we reach that the, the peak and we're coming back down? What measures helped? What mm-hmm. worked? I think I, I have a you know terrible feeling in this way that it's the others will follow suit. Well, we where we got to yeah. per capita. Yeah. You know, to bring it in alignment. Look at the horrific scenes in Brazil and everything. And, sure. You, you know, the, uh, the the leaders discounting it. And, you know, the reality is, as, as much as we turn the leaders for direction, mm-hmm. I don't know who can be the leader in this, Ricky. There's, nobody knows what's going on, how to actually get rid of this virus. So everybody has been clutching at straws. So... Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the analogy or the metaphor I can use is, you know, I think I said this before, uh, you know, when we were children and we, we used to walk on icy pathways mm. and we'd hold very tightly onto our parents' hands yeah, yeah. and we'd feel secure. Yeah, yeah. And now that I become an adult, our children might tell us I was terrified as them as slipping, if not mm, more. Yeah, it's a good analogy. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's really, it's human nature to look to our elders and when we are elders we look to our leaders and when we don't mm. nobody's got any answers but when no. these when these leaders and in the countries that we've mentioned they, they seem to be dominated by quite populist leaders which don't seem to wanting to believe the science or things like climate change and is is it a i mean again I, as much as i don't want to get delve into too much in religion i don't want to do too much to, into politics either in respect to people's beliefs but do you think there's a sort of a pattern going on there the pattern has always been there the pattern is economics yeah mm. everything's got to be economically viable mm. in our countries mm. it's 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 all about the money mm. and the wealthy people would always rule and they do it's, it's whether whether we disagree or agree with that there isn't an issue yeah. or a political issue the thing is this is the way of the world mm. and you know the, the the advice i say is when sometimes people get themselves involved in politics or discuss politics at a higher level, which yeah. they have no control over, yeah. mm. is, look, instead of, you know, we're looking, where you can only micromanage this, you can't macromanage it because mm. we're not involved at that level. Sure. You know, there's a web, there's organisations much bigger than ourselves. So mm. create your own little plot, so to speak, mm. of where you fit in and make a difference in that little part because everybody, rightly so, wants to make a difference. On a global scale, very few of us can. Mm -hmm. But on a micro scale, all of us can. Completely agree, completely agree. Change the environment in your household, change your habits in this, just even in your household, just change Mm -hmm. them like that. Mm -hmm. But people are just overwhelmed now, you know, everybody's, you know, it's it's amazing, some of my friends, the the messages I get, you're still contradicting COVID and everything else, and yet, and when I mention, but tell that to the hundred, nearly 150,000 families that have lost loved ones, mm. you know, what, what would they say to you? Yeah. You know, whether it exists or not, 
isn't the issue that needs to be discussed here. I know. I mean, it's it's this it's a it's also a kind of reflection on the world that we live in in terms of how media is is um, diverted, and of course we have different methods of how news reaches us. You know, I mean, I lost an uncle to COVID in India last year, so seeing those scenes still kind of brings it back as well, very much so. So when you hear when you see gatherings of people saying that, you know, no need for masks, no need for this, I just you just think. What are you denying yourselves from, you know? Um, um, until it hits home, I don't know whether whether they've lost people. But it's affected me, you know. We lost a, a friend of the show. Um, I lost another relative relative in the beginning of the year. Um, everyone I know knows of someone at least who 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 they've lost. So um, yeah, we'll see. And and I have to and I have to say as well, um, the Hindu temple and other organisations of West End are having. Um, fundraisers so get in touch with them and how you can donate if you can to, to help out out there so awesome yeah thanks Sam. yeah so as i as i as a, it was a little teaser at the end of my intro about your new work that you started um what can you tell us in terms of how much you can tell us because it's uh, you've returned it's, re- it's, it's actually a uh, yeah. children's therapist so yeah i started that really exciting times as well so after working for with food for a lot of the time do you feel that you've kind of gone back to previous or is it is this another sort of stepping stone or progression in terms of you know where you'd like your sort of career to steer towards i think everybody that works in a, a caring industries have this altruistic nature within them mm-hmm. uh, i never stopped being a therapist mm. uh, i've always had clients uh, even when i had the restaurant i'd have the odd client yeah. every now not as many Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I was able to uh, work with clients, so I've never really stopped working as a therapist, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and 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 it's always been um, it's it's a job whereby it's what you're passionate about, mm-hmm. and it's it's very difficult. You know, I wish everybody finds a job they are passionate about, yeah. well into retirement and beyond. Yeah, yeah. So how how's it how's it going so far? I know it's been uh, just just very short so far, but yeah, it's 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 very interesting work. You know, it's amazing how children are um, coming through. I know there's a lot going on in the press as well about the steps that need to be taken to address mm. children's mental health. Yeah, there's a lot of organisations doing that. You know, and it's mm. it's um, I'm happy to say that there is a lot of um, things in place. You know, even to deal with bereavement, etc., through loss, through um, mm-hmm. uh, COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of children, lost family members, uncles, everything else. Yeah. And the the difficulty is, Ricky, is that because and you know we can't really use the word normal, but in other times of loss, mm-hmm. when there is children involved, yeah, family members, everybody comes comes together, but mm-hmm. everybody's been on lockdown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they, 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 there hasn't been any breathing space away from it for mm. any different yeah. parents who've had to deal, you know, with the stress mm. of, 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 of uh, COVID, yeah. as well as children, the uncertainty. Yeah. Parents haven't been able to explain to them what's going on, and if they can't, they're not mm. really definitive answers. Mm-hmm. So these are all, you know, children are like sponges. They pick up on everything, and then the things they pick up on and, and, and get stuck with is the ones that they interpret in their own way. Sure. So, you know. So this, yeah, I mean, this very nicely leads into what we were going to talk about on this podcast. It was a topic that we've kind of put on ice for a bit, haven't we, because of other things that came up that we talked about. But um, 
Um, before we get into the real depths of um, children's mental health um, through COVID and I guess through this this phase of, of lockdown as we ease out and head towards the summer, um, when I think about previous podcasts and when I speak to, when I've spoken to other therapists and other people, um, the word that they often use is the word tsunami and they use the word tsunami in context of the mental health spike that's, that's going to be shooting up um, as we ease towards back to, you know, some degree of normality. And in your kind of first few days, weeks of your role, Amir, have you, is there strong evidence to suggest that that will be the case that you've noticed? Real... It's, it's difficult to say that at the moment because yeah. uh, what happened with these services, with these children's services, they were actually in lockdown for five months. Right, right. So, you know, although they were key workers, children couldn't access these services, yeah. which resulted in a very large backlog of cases. Yeah. So some people have been waiting over a year. Mm-hmm. You see, we're, talk- we're, we're talking about uh, specialist care here for children, okay. specialist counseling, so within okay. within uh, bereavement, etc. So yeah. schools, you know, the ch- the teachers are absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. They, they understand the impact this is having on the children, yeah. the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. and how to basically help them understand mm-hmm. with what's been going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, in this instance, these are all children's specialist mental health services right. uh, were actually stopped mm-hmm. because they had to follow certain procedures and everything else, as mm-hmm. with offices. And it's, it's, it's very difficult to work with a you know, seven to six, seven, eight-year-old online Yeah. Um, or even you know younger ones where they where, where they work with play therapy where they express through play and art mm-hmm. it's very difficult to do that online mm-hmm. whereas you can do that with adolescents yeah there is still something lost in that relationship yeah yeah really good point so this whole kind of you know these new relationships that we've had in terms of interaction is yeah. being done virtually so um what's what what we both know um i'm sure you agree is how important something like peer support is to um, um, kids, and uh, but they weren't they weren't able, able to get that. I know they've got a little bit of that now because you know kids are out socialising and so forth. But in the height of lockdown, like last year, and of course just after Christmas, um, how much do you think that has been impacted? Not having that peer support whilst they had their issues going on in the household, as they say, they might have had parents or guardians out of work, you know, or furlough and that sort of thing. It's kind of like a, it's almost like they've had a curveball of everything going on at once, which yeah. which I wonder, and I'd like you to sort of answer this in a way. What, how, how, how do you think that will sort of um, come out in terms of a child's formative years and growing up, and you know, in terms of because um, you, you, I remember as a kid, you know, you you would, you know, you talked before about you know trusting your elders, you know, we would have elders telling us about how they coped during, say, the war you know, like going through the war years. Are we going to see something like similar to that? Um, there will be, it'll start coming through over the next couple of years, Ricky. I think yeah. that, that's the time it'll take. At the moment, we're just trying to put, put some of the pieces back together. Yeah. Um, you know, as we were previously discussing before we went on air, parents didn't know what to do. The leaders of countries yeah. didn't know what to do. Mm. And, with 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 our pet lives being so organised, we go to work nine to five, yeah. drop the children off at eight thirty, yeah. you know, pick them up whatever nine to three thirty, pick the children, yeah. come back home. All of that was gone. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. all of a sudden the parents have to be the teachers. Yeah. And you remember in the first lockdown before the services even come online, mm-hmm. it was a very difficult time. Mm-hmm. And of course, as you've mentioned there, the uncertainty of whether people are going to have their jobs. Mm-hmm. Some people want to work from home, some don't. Yeah. Um, it, all these uncertainties sort of seems to have destabilized all relationships. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and there's a new way of thinking which has affected people's mental health. Mm. So, of course, this uh, sort of projects onto the children. Mm. You know, it's it's and, and you've got to understand the difficulty that parents face as well. If, if their yeah. children are in school yeah. uh, five days a week, yeah. they, they're geared up for the holidays, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and they know what to do. Yeah. But kids are there all the time. Yeah, um, really good point, because uh, going back to an earlier point, I think you're, you're right to say that in these next few months, possibly years, is all about getting the the system, the structures back in place to deal with the the um, the referrals and so on, which is never to be going to be high. Um, yeah. Um, oh yeah. And then on your last point, that was really interesting because, um, you know, I, I I'm quite candid on these podcasts, and I'll tell my own experience because when I, you know, when I think back to the 1980s and I think back to the recession and how how it was for my father particularly, and you know he. He would always he'd always sort of um, uh, tell stories about that he always dreaded the mail coming through the next day because it might be a a statement or you know a letter saying that you're 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 no longer required you're bankrupt or whatever, and he had to ride that wave all through those years, and when it got particularly tough and when you know I mentioned that I have a I had a, a quite a, an evangelical style of granddad so him and my father used to always fight like cats and dogs and. And uh, I witnessed all. I w- witnessed that friction to the point where my dad would actually resort to self harming, which was actually very shocking to 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 witness as a kid. Although, but when I got my mental health, um, when I got to see my mental health nurse uh, a lot later on, you know, in my sort of late tw- teens, early twenties, and when I mentioned what I'd seen, she was actually quite um, glad that I'd mentioned that because she thought that was quite a um, a catalyst. Um, because witnessing, and I just wonder with with COVID and, and the things you mentioned that the hardships that households would have got gone through, that the sorts of scenes that the child kid would have seen, you know, friction amongst parents, maybe um, an intake of alcohol, because we know that that that's gone up amongst households. That inevitably, yeah, that that's going to play impact, isn't it, um, in, yeah. in the in the kids' mindset? So. Um, you're absolutely right. The, the 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 getting the structures in place to deal with that is going to be crucial for the next uh, few months and years, isn't it? It is. I mean, you know, it's, it's as we say, it, it's going to take a systemic approach, mm. uh, even a psychosocial model, yeah. to help everybody. Mm. To even if we're living a new way, is to address these certain issues and become aware of them. Mm. You know, I mean, you know, I know friends of mine and myself have probably spent days when we were locked down where we. Didn't even bother getting dressed. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and the thing is, all of this creeps up on us and it becomes a normal way of life. Mm. Um, you know, habits become normal. There's a, you mm. know, the psychological term is ego, syn- uh, I think it's ego syntonic. Yeah. Uh, whereby it becomes normal behavior when it isn't normal, but mm. it's accepted as normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't, we, we, we tend not to say the right or wrong with it. It's just what's happening, mm-hmm. except the habits. And you mentioned self-harm. Self-harm becomes one of those behaviours. Yeah. 
Yeah. Is, 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 you know, un, un, in, in, uh, psychologically, the new class that has ego syntonic because mm. you just accept it, that you yeah. don't see it as anything wrong because yeah. it's giving you some type of relief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so the same patterns that lead to that are the same patterns that can uh, cause other mental health issues within children as well. Sure. The normality of unnormal situations. Yeah. Right, Emia, um, we've reached sort of halfway, so what I'm going to do, listeners, we're going to have a little break for a few seconds. You'll hear a little bit of music, and then uh, Amy and myself will return and we'll carry on with this conversation. Hi, everyone, welcome back to Mentally Sounds Life and Lockdown podcast series. This is the second part of episode 52. Um, glad to have our resident therapist, uh, Amy and Mertze back, uh, talking about children's mental health. And we'll just continue on the um, where we left off. Amy, I, I thought of a question just as we, we broke off there and um, the, the backlog of people kind of having treatment. And of course, we were well aware of the, the mental health kind of backlog. But I just wonder, in, in, all, the, in all the time that I've been talking about mental health, the relationship that that has with physical mental health. And I know that a lot of people out there have been waiting for sort of physical um, uh, treatment in, in our hospitals, NHS, uh, you know, uh, services and all sorts. But I just wonder that that in itself will also have a psychological impact as well, because for someone waiting to have um, really important sort of, you know, treatment, surgery, etc., and then that having to be delayed, um, that also cuts into our, our, our psyche, doesn't it, and, and affects our, our mental health. It it, it, it does. Uh, I think at the last count, there was four and a half million people waiting for operations, mm. adults uh, waiting for operations. But uh, that's um, a very good question in relation to children. Okay. Uh, the, the younger the children are, mm-hmm. the more they are only able to express yeah. how they feel physically. So, you know, you see, you'll, you'll see toddlers, you know, having tantrums, they call that the terrible twos, etc. And, and children getting older withdrawing. So, you know, mm. the physical side, even in that context, yeah. you know, other than people waiting for operations, mm. is very, very important because this is how ourselves as individuals, yeah. as parents, as therapists, this is where we learn the most mm. and are able to help the most when we become physically aware of our children. Sure. Sure. You know, and, 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 and as I mentioned earlier, it's, you know, what we tend to do is we tend to see the child's actions mm-hmm. rather than the child themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, 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 we, we need to become more aware of what we're going through here, the, the effect of it. Things we thought we'd never have to uh, manage yeah. or even self-manage, and we've had to. And, and this is all down to the speed and spread of this virus and we might still be getting knee-jerk reactions in another year as well ricky we don't know where this is going yeah because it's a, the, the the virus is mutating as all viruses do mm-hmm. the indian virus is you know extremely um, mm-hmm. dangerous at the moment mm-hmm. and it seems to mutate to its environment yeah. as we as adults and humans have mutated to our environment yeah yeah yeah. And this is the knock-on effect of that with mm. regards to mental health. 
I just want just you know what I love about these conversations is that um you know I, I don't listeners are aware we we don't do these shows as a, a standard Q and A um but I always write down bullet points because you know the the nice thing about having a a flowing conversation like we're having now that it makes you think of other things that which which might be relevant and and one that I've just had right now and it relates back to India was you know um I recall from um this time last year for example watching the scenes in Italy um and i remember this one uh, bulletin where you know a, a fleet of army trucks were delivering you know um bodies to a morgue and i was like sitting there agog thinking wow have we really reached this and then and now we're getting almost a repeat pattern as to what's happening in india and and i just wonder um with that being flashed on our tv um 24/7 because um, I know from um, witnessing certain scenes on TV when I was a kid, and that traumatized me. But given that the, the last twelve months that we've had, um, what about the the impact of such imagery that has on on a kid long term? You think? The days, kids and adults, you see that mm. there's not much difference between uh, you know with kids and adults' mental health in the sense that you know we possess the vocabulary to express mm. it in certain ways under the right conditions. Yeah, Children yeah. don't. That is the difficulty, so we have to look at other ways of doing it. Mm. Uh, this is actually um, a, a word there, which mentally it's, it's called secondary trauma. Okay, yeah. Um, and, and, and this is, you know, a mental health uh, mm. problem there as well. Yeah. Uh, the, the example I can give mm. is in road traffic accidents. Mm-hmm. When someone has passed away or lost their life, yeah. when you go to visit them in a hospital mm. the, and you, you go to see the body, the body is cleaned up mm-hmm. because the, there's a legal liability there as well, um, is that if you go and see your body that's been badly injured within an accident, yeah. uh, you will suffer the chances are pretty high of mm-hmm. suffering secondary trauma and PTSD as a result of that. So as you mentioned, you, you were traumatized by certain events. Mm. Uh, children, yes, the, the, the advantage and disadvantage of children when children see things like that flash up, if they're not too graphic, mm-hmm. they don't know what they are. Yeah. So, but it's how we explain to children what they are, where the yeah. difference lies. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's where the real... Uh, it, with that in mind, though, how many of us adults can, 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 can readily admit that we have the tools to explain to our kids what's happening because i imagine there's a lot of adults out there who probably aren't aware or not sure how to maybe they have to be recommended by someone like yourself or read a book about it but or how much of it can come naturally how much does you know that is without sounding socratic we all possess the ability to address it naturally when Mm. we're dealing you know with love and compassion and empathy yeah. And these words open up a number of skills mm. which are innate mm. and we're able to do that. We're, we're able to actively listen. Yeah. You know, we can we can stop what we're doing. It's it's when we see, you know, I've noticed a couple of friends of me when the kids are talking and they've been home for weeks is mm. they'll, they'll they'll be on their phones mm-hmm. when the kids are talking. And that's not actively listening. That mm. actually teaches the child that it's okay not to listen. So yeah. you'll find children who don't listen because they're learned behaviors. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's very difficult, but if you get if 
you get in the right frame of mind, I understand the difficulty faced by parents is, you know, how can we sit there when we've got to do this, we've got to do this, we've got to do this, bring the kids up, there's more than one child. Yeah. It is very difficult. But, you know, you can even make time once a week, mm-hmm. you know, to, to take each individual. If you have four children, you've got four days there. Yeah. If you've got, you know, take them out for an hour mm-hmm. and give them that time because then it lets children understand that, it's okay to communicate. Yes, we can talk. Yeah. Yes, we can listen. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I mean, when my when my granddad passed away, I mean, um, for for my young nephews, for um, well, actually, not just my granddad, but but later on when my own dad passed away, you know, my nephews sadly never got to um, meet them, and um, so they 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 they're obviously full of questions. Um, I'll tell you a little funny story, um, which is quite cute and quite sad in, in one in one sense. But there was a viral video that went round um, a year ago about, um, um, I think it was in India, but uh, a squirrel, right, was was like hanging, was like walking along these like uh, cables, you know, above the streets, you know, the, the high wires, and and got electrocuted, and it kind of fell out fell out of the the air and, and landed on the ground and. These sort of guys who were on a motorbike saw this and they thought, you know, they got their, they they, they got into uh, action plan mode and they they picked up the wee squirrel and placed it on the the seat of the moped and actually gave it mouth to mouth, and they actually were able to revive the squirrel, and my nephew, you know, you know, because you know, viral videos go everywhere now. It's it's it, you know, even kids get to see them, and and my nephew said to 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 me. Um, Oh, why why didn't it not do that to to granddad? And I was like, oh, bless, you know, because they thought that you know if, if he was lying there and why couldn't you? So the whole mouth to mouth thing and and yet you explaining all that, but in a way you're kind of like, I think the children, the innocence of the children asking that is is a good motivation for you to steer the conversation to how you think is best to that they'll understand. You know what I mean? Like in earlier yeah. years, I used to say. Well, you know, this is to to my cousin when when my dad died. Um, sorry, my, my my own granddad died, and I said to him, "Well, he's just gone to sleep for a very long time." Now, back then, I thought it was a little bit cute to say that, but I just wonder that. Well, is that the best way? Let's be a bit more honest. You know, death is death, kind of thing. But then we always use sleep as a metaphor for bereavement. Even adults do to some extent, don't they? It's like we say, "Rest in peace." They're resting for a very long, t- well, forever. So maybe maybe there's a case for everyone individually to use their own terminologies in which they feel comfortable with. There doesn't have to be necessarily a, a like a, a criteria that fits all. Uh, would you agree that? Or would you would you have an alt- altered view? I mean, uh, therapeutically, yeah. Uh, what we would suggest is um, in a bereavement. I remember my brother passed away when I was um, I think I was about six years old, oh, okay. and the instinctively. All families do this. Instinctively, their first aid job is to protect the child. Mm. Don't expose them to it. Say things like they've got the heaven, they've got this and got that. Yeah. And and, uh, and of course, it's difficult when you say to the child, oh, they've gone to heaven and make heaven sound like a nice place or yeah. when everybody is distressed. Yeah. 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 The best thing you can do with children is to actually get them involved in the process. Mm-hmm. Get them involved in, in, in the funeral planning, get them involved in the flowers, get them involved in the ceremony. And, and that is a journey for them mm. whereby, you, you know, there is certain closure with a lot of unanswered questions. Mm. 
and they will ask them the questions yourself. Yeah. Is to have children fully involved, which goes against the grain because people want to protect. We mm. automatically want to protect our kids. Say, oh, no, no, you don't want to look at this. We don't, yeah. you know, and everybody looks at the child who's, who's got that lost look in their eye at a funeral. They don't know what's mm. going on because nobody's explained it to them. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it is difficult to say heaven because then you can answer questions about heaven is based on the religious belief, but leave them as open-ended as you can because, yeah. you know, with an open-ended question, it, it, it gets a lot of questions and information back. So, yeah. you know, to discussing it with children in that context. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's it's you don't blame parents for wanting to form a bubble around kids whenever something tragic has happened in the family. It, it, it's, yeah. it's exactly what happened to me, you know, when I was very fond of my, my grandma. Um, uh, I lost my grandma when I was like um, six years old, I think it was. And I and she, she very sadly um, suffered a hemorrhage, a brain hemorrhage. And I actually found her when she laid there having actually had having it. And then I witnessed my family going to panic mode and ringing for the ambulance. And my last, my last vision of her was peering through the curtains and seeing her being stretched into the ambulance. But since from then on, nobody explained to me that, that your nana had died. or um, it was actually, Even though in the back of my mind I knew it was, it was sort of a possibility that that's what occurred, but no one actually sat me down and told me that that's what happened. I mean, I, yeah, of course I witnessed all the grieving, so um, you know, all it, all it took for me was to just to put two and two together to... to I also on the on the on the on the end of that uh, Amir, we talked about schools, and I have an extra um, admiration for teachers because teachers, as as we learn as we go on, and and you know, we live in a, a society now where we have like food banks and so on. So, um, teachers now, would you agree that have almost an extra um, element to their work that they have to look out for signs of, you know. Um, um, kids not being fed or, or, or maybe abuse going on at the home. Um, you hear some very tragic tales of where, you know, kids are rummaging around the bins in the schoolyard and so forth. Um, and I think in regards, you know, we've talked a lot about schools over the past 12 months and how important they've been. But schools are not just there to teach, are they? they, 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 they I almost believe that schools kind of... Um, in terms of a, an upbringing and the well-being of, of, of kids... That they're just such a much more fundamental part than just education. Would you agree? Oh no, I agree with you hundred percent on that. They're a part of their development mm. as home is, and <clears throat> like I said, it, it, when it works, it works really, really well. Parents yeah. and children working together. Mm. Uh, you know, this they, they spend more of the time at school than they do at home for the yeah. number of hours that are there, and they're socialising. Mm. Teachers are absolutely amazing. Mm. I mean, yes, they are trained in this. But you know, a lot of this is is actually within their nature mm. to look at this as well. Yes, look at the signs. You know, if there's any signs of abuse or anything, any signs of distress. Mm. But you know, but by virtue of the fact that they are teachers, yeah, this is what they do. Mm -hmm. This is who they are. Yeah, you know, um, you know, it's 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 reminded me actually. I remember years ago there was my mother's friend. Um, she went to Rutherford School. Mm -hmm. And we were always, in those days, in the 70s and that, you, you never thought about going to university. Mm. It just didn't really thought of, you know. It, yeah, was, in, yeah. it was in a different class system. Yeah. But uh, her friend's daughter won a scholarship to Oxford. Right. And the 
teachers were so proud. It was unbelievable. Mm. You know, I believe she's a doctor now. And uh, unbelievable for mm. this time. It was unheard of. Yeah. You know, in a working class area, someone to win a scholarship to Oxford to do medicine. Yeah. yeah. And this is what people have to remember about teachers is they see their worth through the children. Mm. You know, a teacher's worth is never seen by how many tests she's marked. Yeah, yeah. That's what they 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 know that what they do and what can be shown what they've done is mm. by the children. Of course. Through the children, how the children develop. And the mm. ones that don't develop, they need extra help. Yeah. And they go on that way to help them as well. And yes, yeah. there is big connections with mental health services, with schools, etc. as well, to give more access. It's it, it, in in a sense create a normality to mental health which we didn't think it yeah, was. Yeah, absolutely. You know, well, that, that, was gonna be, that was going to be my next set of questions to some extent. How uh, I know it's been talked about in recent years about, um, I mean, you know, I went into school in the 80s and high school in the 90s and the idea of having a, any means of a counsellor in school was, un, was unheard of. I mean, having, having the availability of a therapist in not just high schools, but, but you know, primary schools, that sort of thing. Um, I imagine that you're a big advocate. Yeah, they actually have got them now. In all, in all of them, or just a few? Yes, or they, they, a lot of them now are getting access in schools, primary schools, etc. Mm. Uh, play therapists. Yeah. Um, they are working with schools through mm. organisations. Most of the work now is done through schools and through families because, um, as I said, systemic is taking uh, everything on building a psychosocial model. Yeah. Of you, you can't really. You can't really work with a child mm. if they're being sent back into that damaging environment because it undoes all the work yeah. that you're trying to do. Yeah. So it yeah. has to be a collaborative effort. Yeah. And the powers that be mm. uh, understand this fully now mm. that you know we need the approach with the teachers. The teacher mm. have, teachers have always been there. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know now you need therapists in place. Uh, you need to work with the families as well. Yeah. Uh, and and. And I believe it's getting there, Ricky, because they're starting to work in a non-judgmental way. Mm. They're, they're, they're starting to work in a sense that, look, we're here to help, yeah. not in the past. Yeah. You know, even social workers, I work with social workers, are so passionate yeah. about what they're doing and, and the work that they want to do with the children yeah. is, is all collaboratively. Yeah. And, and, and it's primarily focused on the child. What works best for them? Do we need, do the parents need help in how to manage this? The same questions you asked about you know, how do we deal with bereavement, everything. Mm-hmm. Parents yeah. need those questions answered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing all this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing what's coming through. Do each, is there a, is there a national um, proposal how this is done or does each school have their own style of implementation? I'm just wondering, for example, um, say in a timetable, each pupil gets access to a therapist every week or, or does a child have to put their hand up and say, yes, I would like to see a therapist? How, how is it modelled from your knowledge? Uh, I don't think it's it's basically like that. It's how how it's modelled is. Um, I know RGS are looking for a counsellor now. Yeah. So it's basically having the service there mm. and letting them know it's there yeah. without any labels. Yeah. This is how I would see it working, and I believe it's going in that direction. Mm. You know, before instead, you know, the, the, there's nothing wrong with yeah. not being able to manage. There's nothing wrong with not asking for help. Yeah. This is the stigma I grew up with in the seventies. You know, whereby everything was stigmatized. You know, you oh, you can't do this. There's something wrong with you. Or they get. Mm. We have to. When mental health 
is normalised in such a way yeah, people definitely. can be all accepting of help. That's the crux of it, isn't it? To normalise yeah. mental health and, and schools are, are the, probably the best best place to do that. Um, so yeah. more power yeah. to them. I mean, I, I remember in, in the nearest the nearest that we ever had in my, my era was was PSE, personal social education. And, and on occasion, and it didn't happen very often, but we would all sit around in a circle, you know, we would we would push the, the tables back and put the chairs around in a circle in the middle and the teacher would maybe bring up a couple of topics that might be part of the national conversation or whatever it, we, we might have been talking about. I think that was the nearest. But I remember one specific time, and it actually I was actually reminded by, by this, by the... The recent tragedy that happened in Israel, you know, the the crushing um, incident. Because yeah. my my immediate thoughts were were Hillsborough, and um, yeah. very similar um, tragedy happened. And 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 it was at eighty nine. I was maybe what um, about sort of like ten eleven years old. Um, I used to play at the the institute, uh, the football chute in. We used to call it the chute in Westerhope, with a kid who was a survivor at Hillsborough and. Um, and uh, we were like, you know, he's a big Liverpool fan. And um, we were just like... That's not, that's not his fault, by the way. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We blame the parents. Yes, <laughs> Well, that was, a, that was a funny thing about the 1980s, because Liverpool was so big that there were a lot of people's sort of second favourite team or a lot of people's favourite team, unfortunately. And yeah. it was also the yeah. decade that we got relegated. But anyway, we'll, we'll save that for another conversation. But... um. Yeah, and and as kids, you know, kids are naturally curious. Um, I remember me and my friends were just hounding this poor lad, saying, "What was it like? What was it like? What happened?" And um, the the poor lad just just broke down and cried. Um, so this is obviously very kind of tra- traumatizing for him. And I remember the weekend after the incident happened, you know, in in our sem, I think even assemblies sometimes are often a, a good a good time for whoever it is the the head or the vice head to. To, 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 to talk to the kids in a very kind of like a, a personal manner about what, what's happening in the world and how we can, you know, digest this. So I think our vice teacher at the time, Mr. Grant, very, very good. Uh, I was very fond of him. And I think he was well aware of, um, you know, a lot of the kids love football. We, we, we play football at school. We play football in our spare time. And I, I think he was aware that there was a collective trauma and he just wanted to speak to the kids and say, look, what you would have saw over the weekend was, was very horrible. and But don't let that put you off going to football in future. This is very rare. And I still remember those words. And I, and I, and I think that, in a sense, that was uh, one, pers- one, one staff's way of trying to counsel pupils in a manner which wasn't, you know, we weren't able to do before. Um, yeah. So with those in mind and what you just said, I think there's real hope for the future. And and my question now, Amir, is how how do schools deal with that? You know, in a post-COVID manner, do we do they do they do in a collective manner, or do we do we talk to child children individually? Because I suppose, especially in light of personal bereavements, I guess individual needs are have to be met, because one pupil might not have gone through the same as another. So that that personal interaction is is vital. I'm assuming it's uh, what we do. The, the model I would use here to uh, show what can be done would be the. Uh, I, I did a full training in it. Um, it's a, a desensitization program for people who face traumatic events. Okay. 
Um, so what it basically was, see, it could be anything. If it's see a train crash, mm-hmm. uh, a, a football scenario like that, what you would do is you would get people in in a group, and this is how they. I, I believe this is what they're modelling it on in within school assemblies because. If there was ever a child killed at school, you'd see the headmaster get up in front of the school and yeah, discuss it yeah. at assembly. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, what it basically is, is it's called facts, feelings, and future. Okay. So, within a context of an assembly where you're dealing with a large group, you'd, you'd deal with the facts, you'd explain the facts. Mm-hmm. Or if you're dealing with a group who was involved in it, you would ask them mm-hmm. where they basically were standing when mm-hmm. this happened. It's as, as, as a debriefing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and how you feel about it? What? Well, how did you feel at the time? Mm. And this is as close as possible to the event as you can get, like the same day or yeah. the day after. Mm. Uh, so it'd be how you were feeling at the time. And then the final thing is the future. What what are you going to be doing tonight when you go home? Mm. And what that does, it, it 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 brings back psychologically. It brings back a little normality. Yeah. And for people that it doesn't. Hmm. then they have access to therapists within schools. Yeah. I mean, if you if you look within the employment sector now, they have a, a massive recruitment campaign for children's therapists to work with schools, you know, agencies, hmm. etc., and everything. Hmm. And I mean, I was you, you, you mentioned the football earlier. Uh, I watched the Bradford fire when it happened. Yeah, I remember that as well, yeah. yeah. I, I saw people running around on fire. Yeah, yeah. But then, the late evening news, it was all cut out. Yeah. So we go back to what we're saying about secondary trauma. They were aware of it 40 years ago. Mm. They knew that. But not many people know that, that the authorities and everybody else have a legal requirement mm. to protect the public from secondary trauma. Yeah. But I imagine the secondary trauma right now where we live in this era is multi, must be multiplied tenfold by the, the kind of things that people are sharing on social media, the 24-7 news channels that we have. Um, those are accessed. You see, those are accessed through uh, choice. Yeah, um, we're talking about what we physically want. If you, you know, if you want your friends and send you some video, some disaster which you won't see on the news, and now is you'll 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 hear of some stabbing, and the next thing, it's you'll you'll get it through social media, the full update and everything, even with yeah. some videos and everything with yeah. graphic content. Yeah. But that is a choice. Mm. Um, we're talking about here where you didn't have a choice. It's a choice, yes, but do you not think the peer pressure makes that choice sort of waters down the choice to some extent where you, where if you're a kid, you might think, well, my mates have seen it, I must see it as well, sort of thing. And that is, that is normally the case, isn't it? But it's how old they are and how they process that. So mm. uh, the adults, uh, the, the culture and the safety aspects that they have are surrounding them. Yeah, you know, so uh, you know, we as adults can look on Facebook, and, and a lot of the time, I remember they used to have a thing with contains violent images, etc. Yeah, Did yeah. you want to watch this? Yeah. That was a choice. Yeah. Although yeah. to some, although to some kids, that seemed an even bigger reason to to actually see what it is out of curiosity, and well, they're inquisitive, aren't they? They, yeah. they? they want to learn certain things mm. and everything else, and of course, you know, it can it can affect their development. Mm. Uh, but it's it's making parents and children aware and it's 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 a parent's responsibility that there is resources there to help in Mm. every situation Mm -hmm. and you know i i know they say you know we don't want to get like america but we do because you know the the world is such a small place now Mm. you know uh in 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 a lot of you know underdeveloped countries i don't like using the word underdeveloped uh in countries that aren't developed as much as ourselves or don't have the resources they the mental health is a, an affliction of the wealthy. Mm. 
you know, I believe, was it Mark Twain? I don't know. Was it Lenin or Stalin? Somebody said, you know, depression is an affliction for the wealthy. Yeah. They're the only ones that can afford it. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the man on the street can't afford to be depressed. They have to go to work. Mm. And this, in countries that aren't developed as ourselves, is the common theme. But mental health, what's wrong with that? I'm going to work, I'm happy, I get paid, I'm happy. Mm. You know, and, and yeah, and the assumption that burning. the assumption that, that everyone in poverty is is you know um, feeling really anxious or depressed. Sure, there's a lot of that, but you'd find no, a lot. Actually, yeah, you'd, you'd really, find. We, we, well, I was going to say on the end of that, I noticed that when I've talked to people that, sp particularly in like the the not so developed countries in which you mentioned, uh, I agree with your your terminologies there. That that they that they're sometimes more spiritually happy than even. They're, they're richer, wealthier counterparts on the other side of the world. So there's a there's I can a give bank. you a good example of that. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, I, I was a member of the Newcastle Philosophy Society. All right. Uh, and um, we used to have constant debates. And one of them was a great one. It was based on... So did you, were you the same guys that used to meet above the dog and parrot? Is that the, yeah, we, we met there. We, we were, were very nomadic. I, I, I remember trying to, uh, yeah... Go on. <laughs> no matter. And, uh, and basically, in answer to your question about, you know, we, we had we had discussions and lectures on happiness. Right. Okay. And different themes. And one of the themes was a film. There was a guy, he was a taxi driver in London. Hmm. And there was another guy, he, the guy, a taxi driver in London, had uh, a couple of kids. And he was putting his kids through private school, everything. Because taxi drivers make good money in London, or they used to. Hmm. Right. And and then the comparative was the taxi driver in Delhi who lived in a shanty town. Mm. He had five kids mm. and he lived in a shanty town. Yeah. He was more happy than the guy in, in London. Yeah, yeah. That's you what know, I've, yeah. By, by the fact that, you know, because he'd made a few hundred rupees, mm. a couple of pounds, and he was able to feed his kids and maybe get the littlest one a toy, that yeah. made him so happy yeah. that that made him get out of bed every single day and drove him. Yeah. That was his drive. Mm -hmm. To look for the happiness within his children and his families. So if anything, you know, within these places, it's, you know, the, the, the poverty and the despair is, is, is what we see externally, but the real... You're right. You're absolutely living. right. I mean, in the, in the sort of the, the developed societies around the world, um, it's almost like every... Every additional luxury that we were almost, I guess, in a, I don't mean it to sound it in a too capitalist kind of way, but the sort of consumer society that we live in, uh, the encouragement to keep spending, the, 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 what I find um, from my own personal point of view anyway, that each one of those almost brings an additional stress. You know, it's like there's more, there's more bills to pay for that reason. You know, of course it is. Yeah. You know, I've got a friend of mine working very hard and, and, uh, because they were busy, they had took the kids out. Uh, mm. I took his kids out to the park and them. Mm. Uh, took them out because him and his wife were at work, and and uh, they were just hanging about his business. So I said, "Let me take them home." His young daughter, I think, is about nine or something. Yeah. Uh, she was telling me it's her birthday soon, and how she's getting the latest iPhone, which is over a thousand pounds. Yeah. And I couldn't believe that, but yeah. she's she, yes, that's what Daddy's getting me for my birthday. And yeah. I thought, you know, the guy's got to work. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that. Exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. That. That's what it is. Yeah. You know. So. So if we were back home in a, in a country which wasn't developed, so the needs would be daddy's going to get me a biscuit. Mm. 
So it's relative to your environment. Yeah, well. and I think that's why I I become more as I get older and wiser. Well, wiser is, is in question, <laughs> but the, the you know I'm becoming more kind of minimalist and more kind of um, you know less bothered about materialism because as I say, materialism it just just brings them. Um, but on the flip side, people people feel the pleasures and and happier amongst that, and and I respect that view as well. So it's just about your own needs, you know. Um, I have to say, as we as we round off, we're coming towards the end. Uh, it's been a fabulous podcast. Thanks for your time, Amir. But a lot, a lot of what I read was from a, a March article from the British Medical Journal about children's mental health in in the pandemic. I'm going to post that um, link to our our um, social media um, pages, so so listeners out there can can look at that. It's really interesting. That wraps up another episode of Mentally Sound Life in Lockdown. Uh, thanks to you, Amir. Um, excellent. Um, joining us and, and we'll look forward to more shows with you um thank you listeners join us again for next week for more mentally sound life in lockdown if you're listening to us on spice fm uh, stay tuned for the next show um in the meantime stay safe everyone uh more importantly take care of your mental health goodbye bye i mean thanks Rich. Cheers, bye.